It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Somebody actually tweeted me the definition of kettle of fish or origin from the dictionary. Uh, And it's defined as an awkward, difficult, or bad situation, a muddle, or a mess. Or a state of affairs, a matter under consideration. Uh, Definition number three, Carlin, you're too freaking old. Why are you saying kettle of fish? Honestly. The second one is a bit perplexing. The second example of kettle of fish is what again? I, I, I can't even... It, like, it, Did you close out other, the page? It's like a whole other situation. It's, it's, it's freaking, it's just bizarre. Where, I, yeah, I gave up the page here. I was going to say, you, the, the fact that you didn't immediately have the answer you had just given eight seconds before would only lead here me to go. believe that you have X'd out that page. A state of affairs, a matter under consideration. <laughs> That's a kettle of fish? I have matters of, under consideration all day long. <laughs> I think well, most apparently of us you're do. living in a kettle of fish, buddy boy. <laughs> it's Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. One of the most thoughtful guys I've ever heard speak as an NFL player in terms of everything that society had going on for all the years during his career and thoughtful about football. Great interview. He's Malcolm Jenkins. He is the former Saint. He is the former Eagle. And he has got a new book out. It is called What Winners Won't Tell You uh, Lessons from a Legendary Defender. Malcolm, it's Chris Carlin along with Joe Fortenbaugh on ESPN Radio. How you doing? I'm doing good, Chris. Joe, how you guys doing? We're doing great. Malcolm, I'm going to admit to something that's a little bit creepy, and I don't know that you're going to remember this, but about a year and a half ago, you were on a plane from New Jersey going to Columbus for Ohio State, and I was sitting next to you. I had worked in Philadelphia, and you were taking notes, and it looked like you were taking notes for this book, so I was waiting for this yeah. book to come out. <laughs> <laughs> that is right, yeah. I well, remember that, actually. Well, let's That's talk funny. about this for a second. What made you decide to write this book? Yeah, I started writing it while I was still playing. Um, I think I had hit the point where I knew, you know, I don't, I couldn't really see myself playing, you know, for another you know, year, longer than another year or two. And I started reflecting a lot. And it was during 2020. Um, I had just changed teams uh, back to the Saints. And I had just thought about all the things that I'd been through. I was thinking about my daughters and and just my story as an athlete and realized that my story had always been told by other people. And I wanted to make sure that I contextualized, you know, what I had just been through, uh, you know, through the the lens of sports, but really just in life. And so when people, you know, when when people try to emulate my example or try to search for uh, my story as an example, that they don't only have the narrative that was written about me as an athlete. They see, you know, all of the complexities 
of fatherhood, of leadership, uh, how they saw me navigate, you know, my highs and lows, my confidence, my doubt, uh, and really have a full appreciation for what I did uh, with my time in the NFL uh, and throughout, you know, sports. You know, you talked to several people as you were preparing the book, writing the book, researching the book. Who might be the one athlete you talked to that kind of blew you away in terms of what you learned from them? Uh, You know, I learned a lot from a little bit. You know, so you'll see throughout the book, it's these, it may be one or two moments that I picked, you know, uh, uh, something from a player and it stuck with me my entire career. Uh, Walter Thurman is a guy uh, for me. I played with him only one year throughout the Eagles, um, but he came from Seattle and we used to just talk philosophy and ball. And he was somebody who was a natural corner. He was a smaller guy, but had to play safety and his ability to, to like his savvy to navigate that gave me a lot of inspiration as a former corner who's playing safety and how to maybe, you know, and is playing versatile roles in a bunch of different spots. I'm playing nickel, dime. I got a lot from him on how to impact the game from different places on the field. Drew Brees, John Vilma, Roman Harper, uh, Chris Marigos. There's so many guys I talk about uh, throughout the book that influenced me uh, in multiple ways, not even just on the field. Malcolm Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins is with us, the two-time Super Bowl champion, former Saint, former Eagles safety, has a book out called What Winners Won't Tell You, Life Lessons from a Legendary Defender. Um, you have done so much work advocating for the advances of black people in America. In fact, uh, when you're in Philadelphia, you're taking that Tuesday off day quite often and going down to Washington and lobbying and doing all of the things to, to advance black causes. Bringing that to the NFL, how would we? How can we make sure that there are more opportunities for black coaches and GMs in the league? Yeah, I think the if anything, if you want to secure uh, space for people and you want to secure diversity and equity, I think that first starts with diversifying uh, from the top down, and, and I think that starts in ownership. You know, and and we understand it's business and that those things don't open up uh, regularly. But I do think that when they do open up, there needs to be a concerted uh, concerted effort to really have a shakeup in the or or at least add some diversity uh, into the ownership groups of the league. Um, I think the league has done a a decent job, you know, from where it sits as a business of kind of addressing some of the needs of the players and society as it's going on. But if we really want to see, you know, uh, true change in any organization, that's going to change not leadership. It's going to change who is in the leadership position. I um I had the pleasure of meeting you your rookie season. It was the first Super Bowl I ever covered. So it was the Tuesday media day. It was you and the Saints. It was Peyton Manning and the Colts. And, I mean, you were fresh out of Ohio State. You're having a good year. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you, and I remember talking to Pearson Pirilu for a little bit Pirilu. about specialty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's where I'm going yeah. with this because you guys had one of the all-time special teams defining moments in that Super Bowl when you came out to start the second half with the onside kick you recovered. It was the big storyline. Mm-hmm. It swung the game. It kind of paved the way for you guys to go on and win that thing. What was it like keeping that thing secret for close to a week that you were planning on doing that? You know, for us, it was, you know, 
your coach comes in at halftime in Super Bowl and says, hey, we're going to run an onside kick to start the game, you would think there would be a little bit of, you know, question or doubt. It was, you know, met with a standing ovation, a roar, because we had been anticipating it and was just waiting for him to give the order. And then, of course, you walk on the field, you're trying to, like, line up normally. You're, you're not trying to, you know, give any tails. You're trying to take the same spots. Uh, but knowing that you're about to take a, a huge gamble, and, you know, we came up with it. But special teams has always been something that we preach. Like my rookie year, I was a first-round pick, but I spent the majority of that year on special teams and was playing well on special teams. And, and I remember guys like Pearson Prelude, you know, uh, one of the days I was kind of upset that I wasn't getting the, the play in time that I wanted and the season was getting long. I was hitting that rookie ball. And I'm, like, moping around, and he's like, there's no time for bad days around here. Everybody's trying to pay their bills. We got kids to eat. I don't care that you're having a bad day. Uh, so we took all of that stuff serious, and we needed all of it later in the year when we wanted to beat Peyton Manning in the Colts in the Super Bowl. We needed the takeaways on defense. We needed Drew Brees to have a day, and we needed that onside kick. Malcolm Jenkins with us. Now, look, a lot of guys do a lot of different things to get themselves ready for games. Brandon Graham used to post a video on his Instagram stories every Sunday of you, probably I would say a half hour before kickoff, doing an amazing dance routine where the entire room is just quiet except for the music, marveling at what you're doing. How did that get you ready for that? (laughs) It didn't at all. It was never for me. That was the funny thing about it. when I got to Jay, when I got to the Eagles, uh, Jason Peters, he knew that I was in the fraternity and in a preseason game, very first preseason game. We're in the locker room. I'm not playing that week, and he's like, he turns on the Atomic Dog, which is you know uh, kind of the theme song for my fraternity. Uh-huh. So I did it that week, and then the very next week in the locker room, he did the same thing, and then he kept doing the same thing. And eventually, every single game that I played as an Eagle, <laughs> I had to do this this uh, routine because the team, you know, it became a thing. Like, the team wasn't ready to even go until I did it. So it wasn't even for me. I had to go through my own, you know, preparation and routine and then do that just to get the guys hyped. But <laughs> that's what it takes. That's what it takes. <laughs> well, it was awesome to watch because they all just kind of stood there in awe of you doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, yeah, it's the last thing you expect from the from the the stoic, you know, vet is going to break out in a dance right before you go out. <laughs> well, Malcolm, listen, good luck with the book. It's what winners won't tell you: lessons from a legendary defender, one of the real all-time great players uh, at his position. Malcolm Jenkins, the two-time Super Bowl champion uh, at safety. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you for having me. Yep. Uh, it was, I'll tell you, it, one of the more thoughtful guys, he used to come on when I worked in Philly uh, weekly every Friday, and I always looked forward to it because you were never going to get the standard answers. You were never going to get the standard Well, he's a thoughtful guy. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. And when if you're writing a book, that's what's going to make it interesting. You're a thoughtful guy. He's not going to come on, give you. he's not going to mail it in, he's not going to give you the commonplace, here's the boilerplate response to every question you're asking, and then we're off and running. He's going to put some thought into it, and that's something you can genuinely appreciate. Is that creepy of me to kind of look over on the plane and be like, oh, oh maybe he's writing a book. Uh, it's like creepy that. to... It's creepy to start an interview like that. 
Like, hey, so I don't know if you're going to remember this, but I was kind of stalking you for a little while, and I knew you were writing this book before anyone else. It's like, but I, there's a way to phrase that. Well, I did sit down next to him, and I, I knew it was him, and I just very quietly said, hey, Malcolm, hey, 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 Chris, Carlin. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. <laughs> we got some sneaky big news in the NFL as a four-time All-Pro has been released could he be this year's Odell Beckham Jr.? And by that, I don't mean immediately get hurt. It's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Listen... I'm catching a lot of heat on this one, and I don't get it. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio. First of all, an apostrophe S is not what this is all about. So what happened was... It is now, unfortunately. Yeah, so just briefly, I'm in (laughs) O'Hare yesterday coming home. Guy, see a guy about 50 feet away, head down in the phone, about 5'9", couldn't have been more than a buck 50. I am six foot, I'm three bills, Okay. He keeps walking toward me, and he's getting closer and closer, and I kind of start to veer off a little bit, but he kind of seems to keep following and and walking toward me. And I gave him until the last minute, never looking up, and I sidestep him, and I say, head up. You know, not aggressively. I didn't say, head up, pal. I didn't say it like that. Hey, Head up, guy. Head up. That was it. He turns around. As he's walking away, that's obnoxious. What? What? I'm obnoxious because I didn't say heads up as opposed to head up. And I'm not going to choose violence in that spot. I would have destroyed the guy. It, it Honestly, this would have just been, if I had picked up this blitz, he would have been planted on his ass. <laughs> Nothing screams holiday season in America like that anecdote right there. Yeah, and and exactly. It's O'Hare Airport 
Thanksgiving week. Get your head out of the phone. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. You are just as big a problem as that guy is. Oh, come on. This is not that guy's the problem in your jolly old St. Nick just going around shedding joy all over the place. The guy was 50 feet away. Sometimes it's not about making the best play. Sometimes it's just about avoiding the worst play. I was trying to. You was found targeting. You had 50 feet to just find a different route to get out of his way. I find it hard to believe that there was no amount of wiggle room for you to get free and get into space, as they say, and find your way to where you weren't even going to intersect that guy. Why did you insist on staying in his line? All right. First things first, 50 feet away. Number one, I'm going to give him the opportunity to look up because I'm assuming he's only looking down for a minute. Right. So I got to see if he's going to look back up. Number two, I started to veer off to the left. I veered as if to avoid him. He veered with me. If anybody's targeting anybody, although he's doing it unconsciously, he was targeting me. This was not me going in. I'm going to prove a point to this son of a gun. No, 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 no. No. So you're saying there was no way to avoid this interaction? I didn't say there was no way. Okay, so there was I, a way. I would say that I would say that I gave it an opportunity to attempt to avoid it, and then at the end, when he got to about three to four feet, that's when I completely just turned to the side, sidestepped him. Okay, so now on top of that. He obviously feels you're obnoxious with you having said what you said. I'm trying to think if there's anything you could have said, anything different that wouldn't have been viewed as obnoxious. Because given the context of people in an airport passing each other, it's not like you're going to stop him and be able to have a conversation with him. I'm wondering if you had anything else you could have said where he would have been like, oh, I didn't realize. Thank you very much. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm I'm saying what could have been said. Well, listen, we've we've detailed on the show how much I hate myself. So I immediately went into what did I need to do better there? I didn't record that video in O'Hare until a good 10 to 12 minutes of reflection. Okay, that's good. Give it some time. Let it cool off. Could I have said anything? I could have said, excuse me, would that have made it feel better? No. Uh, well, excuse excuse me doesn't get the point across. That would make him think that you were in the wrong. Right. So um, that's not going to work. Exactly. So what would have – all right, so educate me here. What would I don't think anything the is the point I'm getting at. I don't think given the context – because you're not going to stop him and converse with him. So in a quick passing in that scenario, I don't think there's anything you could say where he'd look at you and be like, oh, thanks. Like if you – say you said this, uh, almost ran into me. Like, even if you said something like that, like giving him the heads up, I think he'd look at that and be like, that's obnoxious. I didn't almost run into you. You almost ran into me. Like, there's nothing that could have been said, which leads me back to the idea of you just having to avoid him entirely. Now, I know that might be an extra 17 steps, and that's unfortunate. All right. That's unfortunate. I want to get my steps in. I've got my Apple watch on. I know when it tells me that, you know, it's being passive aggressive when it says, hey, maybe time to stand up, fatty. You know, beep, beep, 730 at night. You've only had 200 steps today. Beep, beep. (laughs) (laughs) Evan, am I doing anything wrong in that situation? Now, granted, Evan socially would probably I'm just going to say this going in would probably say I should have taken a bat to the guy if I had one but I do want to know 
Did I do anything wrong there? No, I think you were absolutely right. I, I would have done, I'm like half the three quarters size of you. I would have done the same thing. I am so obnoxious in public when people are on their phones or almost bump into me. I'll be like, hello, hello, I'm standing right here. Hello, don't you see me? So I'm really obnoxious. So I am yeah. fully on Team Carlin on this one. Is the, idea, is the idea that we can't be better? We can't be better. I want to be better. We can't raise the bar. Like Evan's example right there is just horrific. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of things like that because I am. But the idea of, oh, when I see this, I'm just going to make a big. Like, can't we, shouldn't we strive to rise above in some way? Do we have to sink down into the sewers with every interaction we feel that it grieves us? Is that who no. we all want to be? Yes. I, no, it's not what I want to be. And that's why I was, I was taken aback. I was taken aback by being called obnoxious in that spot. Handman, your read on this situation. My my initial read is is Canty, I think, nailed it. I think you should have just plowed over the guy. You had the opportunity to do it. You, you, he wasn't going to look up. Uh, you did the nice thing. I, I think what you did was the nice thing, but clearly this guy wasn't looking for the nice thing. I think you should have just ran into him. And, uh, you know. See, I've had what if so we many... had thrown a sir in there? If it, head up, sir. Could that have changed things? Maybe. Add a little pleasantry to it. Add a little respect. Little like respect. at that point, if he turns around, he goes, oh, obnoxious. Excuse me. I referred to you as sir. There's nothing obnoxious yeah. about calling him sir unless it's, it's sarcastic. The guy on his phone who didn't look up is the one calling someone else obnoxious. That's a, that's annoying to me. So kind of like a guy, <laughs> kind of like a guy whose friend uh, every week gives him a free bet and he complains about it regardless. Kind of like mm. that sort of guy. Yeah. Because yep. you weighing in on this is very interesting to me. <laughs> 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 so the second you went to Handman, I was like, "This is this should be good. This should this is the new." As soon as Dear Abby decides she wants to retire, Dear Handman, do do we need to start, um, really kind of uh, scaling back, or at least trying to trying to maximize the Handman appearances here when we go to him for a topic. You know what I, I mean? I like bringing them in. I, I, I like the. I, I enjoy like the, bringing them in. Yeah, I like the insights. I, I also, the Cohen thing, getting caught up in the head up versus the heads up. That just feels like a way. That feels like a middle manager trying to bury someone in paperwork. That's what yeah. that is right there. That's yeah. the court system. That's and, who Evan Cohen is. Evan Cohen is the judicial system, but not a judge. All right. Number one, not an apostrophe S. Okay. It's just heads up. It's not head is up. If I'm going to be the grammar police for a Head second. Head is up somewhere. Excuse me, sir. Cranium raised. Cranium raised, sir. Yes. Sir, look up. That wouldn't have worked. Nothing. Nothing. Head versus heads up. Like, imagine that. Imagine getting bogged down to the point. I bet Cohen's the type of guy who enjoys traffic. He's like, this is going to give me a real opportunity to get some thinking done. I was hoping I'd run into traffic today. You know, I haven't done that next nine-part serial podcast that I need to get to. (laughs) (laughs) Golden opportunity. Here we are. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. I promise some sneaky big news on the way. And how many Super Bowl contenders are there in the NFL? It's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tannenbaum and I will have the call for that game. And it's interesting with some news out of Indianapolis today. And a four-time All-Pro is now a free agent. Colts releasing Shaq Leonard just a little while ago. Here's a statement from Leonard. Andy, I want to thank you for accepting me and my family with open arms these past six years. Nothing but incredible. Good times and bad. I apologize for not bringing that trophy back to the 317. And he goes on to thank everybody. You know, we, we had Jim Ursay uh, release a station, uh, release a statement as well. Colts Nation always going to remember the maniacs, palpable energy on the field. He was very unhappy this season with his playing time. He had been somewhat. Uh, Limited. He certainly wasn't playing at the same level that he was before, but wanted to be back on the field. So they ultimately made the choice here uh, to go ahead and release uh, Shaq Leonard. And this is, I mean, look, while he has not been the same player this year, this is certainly surprising to see this move made at this time of the year. 2018, rookie, defensive rookie of the year, all pro first team. 2019, All-Pro second team, Pro Bowl. 2020, All-Pro first team, Pro Bowl. 2021, All-Pro first team, Pro Bowl. Last year only played in three games due to injury. This year, nine games in, had lost playing time, and obviously it results in him being released. Here's where it gets interesting. There's going to be plenty of demand. He's 28 years old, and he is the perfect candidate for a, you know, buy low, new environment's going to get him right back where he started. But he recently signed a five-year, $98.5 million deal with the Colts. His salary cap number next season is $20 million. His cap hit in 2025 is $23 million. In 2026, it's $19.7 million. So here's the question. Are you going to use a waiver claim to pick him up and assume that contract? Or are you going to let him fall through waivers, take that risk, and if he does, then hope you can beat everyone else out in the bidding process? Because there are certain teams that are going to be very interested, several teams in my opinion, who are going to be very interested in his services. I just don't know how many would be willing to pick up the remainder of his current contract. I think it's a lot to pick up. I think it's an awful lot to pick up. Now, if he gets to free agency... If you're the Cowboys and you don't bring him in, you're nuts. I think he is, he'd be a nice fit for Dallas. We're going right to all America's team, huh? Well, I mean, who else would we look at here 
of teams that are contenders that could help sh- that Shaquille Leonard could really help at this point. Pittsburgh, and I wonder if the Niners want to put him on the field with Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner and just have an all-time linebacking unit. And didn't they just lose to Funga? They didn't did. They? He's a, he's more safety. No, I know that, but I mean, I'm just talking defensive firepower. Just defense in general, yeah. Yeah, defensive firepower. Um, not bad. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think that you go off of the one injury from last year, could be wrong, from all of that in 2021 – to just completely disappearing this year and your game is gone and you're done. It can happen that way, but I don't think it happens that quickly for a guy that's, what's Shaquille Leonard, 28? 28. Yeah. I mean, it would be hard for me to believe that that is over that quickly for him. I have to believe it can help somebody. No, it's a great buy low. I mean, let's let's ask ourselves, what what's the reason of the fall off? Is the fall off that it's some serious injury he can't come back from? Has he let himself go? Does he not want to play anymore? Or is it possible he just got disgruntled with an organization that he was no longer on the same page with? Yeah. We've seen situations like this before. If he's the type of guy that still has the drive, that still has the work ethic, it just soured in Indianapolis, that's an excellent, quote, buy low, assuming you don't have to pick up this kind contract because this is a big contract so I don't know if you're going to want to take a risk at that price point at this point in the season when a lot of teams don't have a lot of cap space most of it's spoken for but if you feel that you can convince him to sign with you and he has a chance to prove himself and then get back out there and get a new contract next year whatever it may be I mean, he's going to be a big help for somebody it's just about the right culture you know if, if it wasn't working in Indy is it going to work if, like, Arizona tries to get involved? But if Pittsburgh wants to get involved, if San Francisco wants to get involved, if a contender right now wants to get involved, you could see him just snapping right back into form. Yeah, the the only issue, it is a back injury that he had to get two surgeries on. So that would be some cause for pause, so to speak. Um, he was still playing 70% of the defensive snaps this year. Granted, that's not a guy that's used to playing a number that low. It's hard to imagine it's not worth taking a flyer on. You know, I can't I can't pick up that money. I can't pick up six point one through this year and then 16, 19, 19.6. I'd have to look to see what it would be. You know, obviously, at some point you can uh, release him and not take a major hit. Right. It's risky, though. He gets through waivers, and you don't pick up – you don't put in the claim for him. That's fine. But now you're bidding against – how many teams do you think are going to be in these sweepstakes? I'd have to imagine half the league makes a phone call. At least makes a phone call to kick the tires. Like, you might find out right away if you're, say, the Chargers. You could make that call and find out right away not interested. It could be Seattle. It could be Green Bay. Like, you could have a handful of teams that reach out, and he just doesn't want to play there. Maybe his priority is a contender. So if you're one of those teams that thinks he could help – but he's not going to be interested in your current state of affairs. I wouldn't even put in the waiver claim in that situation either because then he's just going to be disgruntled. Okay, so just not to get too in the weeds, okay? Sure. But just contractually, 2024, they could save $8 million. They'd, uh, they'd have uh, $8 million in dead money, and they could save $12 million if they cut him next year. So, I mean, that's manageable, you know, after the 24 season, I believe this is, yeah, after after the 24 season is that number. And then, you know, it gets better as you go along. It's never going to be perfect. 
but that's a more manageable number that you could look at. Yeah. I mean, you have to do your diligence here and you have to make sure that he's in shape. If he's coming in this year to help you contend, is the drop off in production because of a falling out with the organization, but he's still in great shape? Because if that's the case, boom, he's in. If he's not in great shape and it's just one of those years where it's going to be down, kind of like Debo Samuel with the Niners last year, Debo admitted he wasn't in great shape. The numbers were way down. I don't know how much he's going to be able to help you if he can't come in and produce at a high level. So you got to do your diligence here, but this is certainly a player that's going to have a lot of interest. And if you're the Colts, not making this work, I mean, I shudder to think, right? Like, the, I thought these are the oh types boy. of guys you want in your building. How about this? Evan brings up a great point. Eagles put Nicobe Dean on IR last week. How about Shaq Leonard with the Eagles? Well, if, Again, not picking them up off waivers. Right. I mean, they're a contender. I'd have to imagine if he's coming from a place of frustration in Indy, he would be more inclined to want to sign with a contender than he would, you know, some toiling team where he's just going to squander the last few weeks of the season. Philadelphia is certainly one of those chances to go get yourself a ring. Number one record-wise in terms of the entire NFL, you could be in a great position playing behind that defensive front to clean up when it comes to tackles. Joseph, big night in college football for Mm -hmm. one team that may have seen their playoff chances end on Saturday. It's next, Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Strong night with Monday Night Football, 4-0, up four units. Overall, 83 wins, 79 defeats, two draws, down 4.23 units. Got to keep clawing to get out of the red. One player prop in the association tonight. It's an obvious one. LeBron James over 25 and a half points at a price of minus 110. Averaging 26 points per game this season has gone over this mark in three straight as well as four of his last five outings. Two keys here. Number one, the total in this matchup tonight against Utah is 237. That's a high total for an NBA game. What does that tell us? Lots of scoring. Lots of scoring means lots of opportunity for LeBron James. Am I right? In addition, this is an in-season tournament game, and LeBron was recently speaking to the media saying he'd like to go out and win this thing, so that tells us he should be taking it relatively seriously. Pizza money, only one for tonight. LeBron James over, 25.5 points, minus 110. Gotta go with it. 
Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It's also a big night tonight, Joseph. When it comes to the the latest in the... I'm sorry, almost hit the get to the chopper there. That's Um, a good one. Never can go wrong with that. Get to the chopper! Fat fingers. I'd say. I mean, there's not really... (laughs) what, What is that next to on the board that you may have slipped onto it? Well, I was looking for something else and it wasn't there. So I, I don't know how it happens. These things just happen. This is the plight of fat fingered people. And I think more attention needs to be paid uh, across America to this plight that I have to deal with. And many, many of my brethren have to deal with. Really, charity events, things like that need to be said. Ah. So that's all. Uh, Joseph, big night tonight. And thanks for biting in on the premise of that. Uh, really have to get into what happens here with Florida State and where their standing is when it comes to the college football playoff rankings, which will come out tonight, as we know, and how quickly they will act to potentially take this undefeated team and take them out of the top four uh, as we saw them in last week. So just to give you an idea, week 12, Florida State, was sitting at number four with Washington at five as the other undefeated team. Does that flip-flop happen immediately with the injury to Jordan Travis? Absolutely. Absolutely it should happen. This is about the four best teams. Jordan Travis was top eight in terms of Heisman Trophy odds. I actually think he was top five, but I'm not positive, so I want to give myself some leeway there. But you can't take one of the eight favorites to win the most prestigious award in college football off of a team and then say they're just as good as they have been, especially in the wake of the team directly behind them, fifth-ranked Washington, going to Oregon State and beating a ranked Beavers team. This Huskies team continues to notch marquee victories. Sometimes it might not look pretty, but they're undefeated. And Michael Penix has had a hell of a season. So if you're the committee, you look at this, you shake your head and you say, it's a damn shame everything that's happened to Florida State. But the Travis injury alters their trajectory. Vegas has altered their trajectory. They're now 35-1 to to win the championship. That's nowhere close to where they were when Travis was healthy. And you have to go ahead and duck them. And, and this is why, and I know that it'll never happen, But this is why I think an odds maker should be on the committee, a respected odds maker who can give you a true power ranking as to which teams are better than the others. Because sometimes we have these scenarios where we say, well, I mean, Florida State, even though they've lost Jordan Travis, they should still be ahead of Oregon. Well, if a bookmaker came out and said, you put those two on a neutral, Oregon's a six and a half point favorite, that tells you everything you need to know about who's better right there. And I'm yeah. not saying that should be the only opinion, but if you had that opinion factored in, I think it could really help towards shaping who the best teams in the country are and how to properly rank them. Let's hear from Heather Dinich last night, ESPN senior college football reporter on the 7 p.m. Sports Center. The selection committee does not project ahead. So it will look at Florida State to this point through 12 weeks, and it will consider that Florida State, under the direction of Tate Rodemaker in the second half, scored 58 unanswered points on the same day that Washington was able to earn a close win against Oregon State. So that's the big question is, does the committee still think Florida State is a top four team with Tate Rodemaker in the lineup and did anything change on Saturday to flip Florida State and Washington I'm sorry 
No, I cannot get into the idea of putting up 58 points on Northern Alabama as being a big-time achievement when Washington went on the road to beat the number 12 team in the country. Right. I'm sorry. Precisely. Those two achievements do not align. Absolutely not. Where this potentially gets dicey is, let's say, um, Alabama beats Georgia. So Georgia has a loss. Alabama has a loss. Ohio State, Michigan, someone's going to lose there. Let's say Oregon State takes out Washington. So Washington has a loss. Oregon has a loss. Texas has a loss. And somehow Florida State beats Florida. And then they go on to win the ACC championship game. You're going to have a team sitting 13-0, and champions of a Power 5 conference, and only one other undefeated team out there in the form of the Michigan-Ohio State winner, and you're still going to keep them out of the playoff. That's where things are going to get people a little bit upset because you're going to say, what are we supposed to do? We want every game you put in front of us. We won our conference title. We lost our quarterback, but we're still winning games with our backup quarterback. That could pave the way for some people to be quite peeved, but ultimately you're still probably not one of the four best teams. I don't necessarily, this is the problem I have with all these people who put out their power rankings in the NFL every week. It's really just a ranking of teams based on record. I want you to show some you-know-what, some fortitude, and I want you to tell me why a four-loss team in the NFL is better than a two-loss team, and I want you to make a good case for it. I want you to take a team like the Steelers, and just because they were 6-3, and three, don't put them in the spot where all 6-3 and three teams go. Duck them because they're not as strong. Make them true power rankings, and I think that's what I'd like to see here. Okay, so for me, if you're asking my opinion sure. on what four teams should be in, Okay. Is this as of right now, or is this as you see it to be down the road? This is uh, as I see it to be down the road. So we're projecting all the way through the conference championship games? Yes. Okay, go ahead. All right. I'm going to operate under some assumptions here. Okay. Some predictions. Call them predictions. Yes. I expect Georgia to finish undefeated. Okay. So do they get in? Yes. Okay, so Georgia's in. Georgia's in. Yeah. <laughs> Two-time defending champs. This At this yep. point, it'd be like a 30-game winning streak. They're in. <laughs> Haven't done enough. <laughs> Michigan will beat Ohio State and then will win the championship. They will be in. They sneak past Iowa. Yes. Washington will be in. Ooh, so Washington beats Oregon? Yes. Ooh, one of the few people I've heard predict that. Washington beats Oregon. So that's their undefeated teams. At that point, am I putting a one-loss Ohio State team in over Florida State? The answer is yes. Is FSU undefeated? Yes. Operating the Florida State's undefeated, a one-loss in a in let's just say a tight game, as long as they weren't blown out by Michigan. A one-loss Ohio State team. My job, my job now, my job then, four best teams in the moment, Joe. Four Ironic best because Ohio State won a title with Cardale Jones, third-string quarterback. They benefited from it. Who's to say Florida State can't? Listen, you may not like it, but it's the ABCs of me. That's how it rolls. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Carlin vs. Joe weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app. The Carlin vs. Joe podcast.